make sure it's really worth it for you to get published, like really know why you want to get published and then make sure you have a, a follow-up plan to what happens after you get published so that, you know, you can meet the people who are reading your magazine. You can talk about it. And then, um, because it is a lot of work. Today, we're talking with Sarah Lynn Brennan on how to get published in magazines, not just once, not just twice, but a bajillion times. And she's only been in business for two years. Today on the Wingnut Social Podcast. Have you hit a wall when it comes to growing your interior design business? Then welcome to Wingnut Social, the podcast specifically designed to accelerate your business through increased social media presence, impactful online content, and translating industry experience into physical success. This is your design business tightly fastened. Now welcome the hosts of Wingnut Social, Darla Powell and Natalie Graff. Hey there, Wingnuts. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. I'm your host, Head Wingnut, Darla Powell, and I'm joined by, well, she's now my official co-host. Did you hear? Oh, that's right. The intro changed. Did you hear? Yeah, the new intro. How do you like it? Now I'm screwed and can never like get out of this. (laughs) Well, like we told the Wingnuts listening that when you first started, we thought it would just be here and there and you'd be on the boat on the other days. But for some reason... You people, still haven't said my name. What are you people calling People seem me to today? like you. Oh, your name is Natalie Giraffe. Giraffe today. I like that. Yeah. Right. Because you got that long neck and you like to eat leaves from the tops of trees. Oh, that's right. And could I be the same color as a giraffe? Probably. <laughs> Natalie, yesterday was your birthday. It was. We celebrated with a few rounds at Top Golf, and I'm embarrassed to say that I'm actually sore from that. <laughs> I'm not embarrassed. I suck at Top Golf. You lost, I think, every round. I did. But did you have fun? I did. And the food was relatively decent. It was. The beer was cold. Uh, It was. The beer was cold. The pretzels were hot. Warm, I guess I should say. And I think I broke a toe. Playing Topgolf? I don't know. But I have a toe on my left foot. I think it's broken. Tape it to the other toe. Do you need 911, Darla? Is that all you do with a broken toe? You just tape it to the one next to it? Yes. Do you you need me to call 911 for you? You don't have like little toe casts that people can sign? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about your Roberto. (laughs) Maybe I need a Roberto. A rubber toe. Natalie, do you know who's on the show today? Yes, I've met her. Yeah, Sarah Lynn Brennan. She's awesome. And guess where else she came from? Lou and Live. Lou and Live, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna go there. Listen, I'm I just, can't sing, I, but it's no. okay. You gotta sing like no one's listening, even though thousands of people are listening. Well, Mango's ears hurt because oh, he's sitting right. here right beside me. You know, I can't see him. My laptop's in the way. There's Mango, our little rat terrier mix, something, maybe a beagle dog. Anyway, Streetwalker. He's my streetwalker. I picked him up off the street running on Chrome Avenue. Yep. Sarah Lynn Brennan is an interior designer in North Carolina, and we met her actually officially at High Point last year, wasn't it? High Point Spring Market 20, what's what's this year? 2018. And we saw her again at Luann Live, and Sarah told me something that that just blew my wig off if if I were wearing a wig. She has been published, like I said, a bajillion times. I think there's an actual number to that instead of a bedillion, Darla. <laughs> in magazines. And she's been in, I think she's been officially full-time in interior design less than we have. But okay, so obviously she's been putting her, you know, nose to the grindstone and, and you know, going after it, which we haven't. We still haven't gotten that one project published that we're, <laughs> we're trying to get published. These things take forever. I'm about ready to call it and just put it on social media. But anyway, let me tell you guys a little bit about Sarah Lynn Brennan. Sarah Lynn Brennan is an award-winning entrepreneur, CEO, and the principal interior designer at, wait for it, 
Sarah Lynn Brennan Interiors, the first and only full-service interior design firm in Waxhaw, Yeehaw, North Carolina, who specializes in transitional design. That's a thing. Yeah. In fact, she has coined her personal design style, romantic transitional design. Okay. I have- uh, no, no, no. I'm going to ask her. No, I have to take a pause here. Not only has she been in business less than two years, she has already niched her design style. We haven't even done that. I'm, I'm in awe already. We have to ask her about that. So Sarah's design work has been nationally published six times in the last year, including publications such as Romantic Homes, Traditional Home, Hello, Window Fashion Vision, and Cottages and Bungalows, who recently offered her role as a monthly columnist. Columnists say that 10 times. She's also been noticed as a rising star among colleagues in the design industry, being invited as a guest on podcast <clears throat> and a panelist at High Point Market and as a host speaker at local design events and shows. Wingnuts, help me in welcoming Sarah Lynn Brennan to the Wingnut Social Podcast. Hey there, Sarah Lynn Brennan. Welcome to the Wingnut Social Podcast. How the hell are you? I'm awesome. How are you, ladies? We're great. So happy to finally uh, connect and get you as a guest on our podcast today and to tell the wingnuts how you have a bajillion published <laughs> pieces in magazines. I think that was the official number I told them. I think them. she likes to say just bajillion. Yeah. I think yeah, that makes her laugh. Word to say. Yeah. I <laughs> and wish it's I just, had that many. <laughs> it's, it's, you have close. You have close to that many. Close to a bajillion. Yeah, because you we were just, even in the pre-show, we were talking and you haven't even been in business full-time for, what, a year and a half? Less than two years? How long have you been full-time designing? Um, designing? Probably closer to about 18 months. I've had my official LLC for a little bit longer than that. October will be my two-year anniversary. But um, yeah, I was doing more crafty things in the beginning, like florals and wreaths and things like that. But yeah, I focused on interior design about 18 months ago. Okay, so eight. listen to this, Wingnuts. 18 months an official interior design, and you've already been published in at, at least six times, which is yeah. just shy of a bajillion <laughs> in my eyes for 18 months. I mean, seriously. <laughs> okay, so we we want to, I want to know, Natalie wants to know, and I'm sure the wingnuts listening want to know, especially the people just firing up their shingle for interior design, how the hell you accomplish this, you know, what your steps are, and, you know, what you've discovered by doing this. And I'm sure you're on a roll now. So it's, you know, you have a system in place, you know, I'm sure it's getting to the point to where it's oh another gorgeous so project. So ne- next year it'll, it will be officially a bajillion. Yeah, well, it's almost yeah. Okay. I think she's I'm just just, she's just, just shy. Asking. Just asking. All right, and also I wanted to ask you first before we get into the bajillion, you know, magazine publishing, you know, accomplishments. I was telling the wingnuts that you have already niched your style to what you call romantic transitional design. Okay. I, what I, is that? I, well, first, before she explains, <laughs> Natalie has no idea. I have to say hats off to you for niching because I still haven't done that. I'm huh? still just afraid to niche into a style. So just as a quick aside here for your niching into your design, has that, how much has that helped you in your interior design business to really just focus on that lane? So much because. <sighs> Because I I know where my sweet spot is and I know where I'm like rocking and rolling. And um, so with, with our clients, like we hope that they want the romantic transitional, but a lot of times um, they obviously, they don't know what they want. So they've been following me on my Instagram or they've been seeing the social media 
and they like what they see, but they have, they didn't really have a name for it. And a lot of times, you know, you take the style quiz or you take, you know, all the things and everyone's trying to figure that out. And so early on, we decided we were going to name every project kind of like they do on HGTV, you know, the the shabby shed or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we kind of kept that internal for a while, but we found that the clients kind of liked that if they ever had to maybe do a room on their own or wanted to replace something, they wanted to know what to Google or kind of, you know, what, what it was called that we were doing. And um, so actually getting published really helped me figure out what to call it. I knew it was transitional, but I knew there was like that layer on top of it that was a little bit different. So romantic transitional is neutral, soft, and natural elements added into transitional spaces. So we just kind of create those transitional spaces with the clean lines and the neutral color palettes, but we add those soft accents that make it feel cozy and, you know, like home. Now, did you find that this was the style that you were just doing anyway, or were you also doing like contemporary or, you know, mid-century or, and then you just decided, no, I'm not doing these styles anymore. It's only romantic transitional for me, or it just kind of organically, that's just what it evolved to. And it just totally fit your wheelhouse naturally. It's it's interesting because it's just the way I do it. It's, okay. it's the way that my brain sees designs. And it, that's what really helped, I think, to niche because it's so authentic to me. And it's, it's usually quite uh, a mix of styles that um, people haven't really seen before. And it's not earth shattering. You know, it's not, it's not like I'm, you know, changing you know, the road and the path of interior design in what I do, but it's just consistently that style, you know, throughout my feed. And so now people who follow me closely, they'll, they'll see my picture without knowing that I posted it and they, they know that it's an SLB space is what they say. (laughs) So, um, it just really, it's really just helped you know, for all the reasons you're supposed to niche down for aesthetically, it tracks my ideal client, they know what I'm going to do, it's consistent. It just really helps me to make sure that I'm taking on projects that really fit our mold. So Sarah, let's say this client comes to you and says, you know what, romantic transitional design is not my thing. I want modern contemporary all the way. What are you going to tell them? I really would not feel comfortable with that. And, um, you know, we, we vet our clients just as much as we want them to vet us. So I probably would say it were not the best fit for a couple of different reasons. But, um, I would just, if, if they're not attracted to, and that's what's interesting is when clients come to you. On my intake questionnaire, I say, have you been to my portfolio? And the answer is sometimes no. And I won't get on the phone with them until they've seen our work because I need to make sure that what you want is what we do and what we do is something you will want. And um, so I always find that interesting, the people who have just heard from word of mouth and taken the action to go straight to the services tab and not look at anything else. So, um, you know, we'll do transitional design and we'll do like French kind of romantic design, but our sweet spot is a blend between the two. I love it. So you're owning it. This is our style. This is, and that's the way to do it. When you niche is, is to just double down and say, this is our client. This is what I do. Oh, no, go ahead. Natalie. Yeah. I want to know when was that like a defining moment for you? Was it like an aha moment or did you just fall into it? 
Um, so honestly, getting published really helped us with that because when you're trying to figure out who to send your work to, you kind of have to know what they publish regularly. And so we needed to know where we fit in, in terms of the world of magazines and things like that. And so we found that we were gravitating towards publications that had that kind of style and that kind of cottagey, that kind of romantic look. And so that helped us because the people who actually responded to us, the editors who were interested in our work, were those kinds of magazines. So it just helped us to solidify that, you know, I'm I'm not going to, I'm not publishing work that's in a different lane because that's not where it's really authentic and it's not where I'm really good at. And I wouldn't feel the most comfortable doing that. So we kind of just, it, it just really kind of evolved, but it really, once it happened and once we came up with the two words, romantic transitional, we also realized that modern farmhouse was probably not a thing until Joanna Gaines made it a thing, you know? Oh. And so we were like, well, Romantic transitional is the next thing, of course. And my assistant, <laughs> my team and I, we were like, this is, this is the next thing. And it's going to be a thing because we're putting it into the atmosphere where we're teaching people about it. And so that's our goal is to really, you know, stand behind transitional design and the principles behind it. But then our little twist is the romantic side of it. Awesome. And that's a perfect segue because now we're going to talk about magazines and getting published and that first feature. And so you sought, you're, you did your research. So you sought out the magazines that you were attracted to with your style and you didn't submit, you know, something, you know, that you do, which would is romantic tra transitional to dwell. <laughs> magazine, no. right? Or yeah, exactly. Right. So that's part of it. So on your your very first, like we said, bajillion times in the past 12 months, <laughs> bajillion equaling six, which is a lot, right? Is it more than six? Or do I just have it's, six? It's more than six now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Of course, it, of course it is. Yes. Yeah, of course <laughs> it is. Okay. So let's talk about that very first feature. What was it? And what were your steps? How did you get it? And how hard did you party after you got it? <laughs> oh, my gosh. I know. Um, so Gosh, in the beginning, so on another podcast, and I think you talked about her quite often on your show, uh, Luann Nigera, yes. she has um, a lot of guests on there that talk about this sort of thing. But Amy Flurry, she really <sighs> helped to um, at least give me the mindset that I should be applying to be published. So, uh, and not just me, you know, I always feel like Luann is talking directly to me when I'm on, when I'm listening to her <laughs> show. <laughs> right, so, right. Um, but so I was, I, I got that idea from there. And so she kind of gave some steps and she basically just said, editors need the content to make their life easy. So I would send an email that was maybe two lines and I included what my aesthetic was and what we called it. And so it was a little bit about romantic transitional, a little bit about me, and then two or three photos of work that I felt like, you know, really summed up what I did. And I probably sent that same email, you know, catered to each magazine and, per and editor like 20 to 30 times. So it, <laughs> wow. it wasn't like I just was like, oh yeah, I want to get published on this magazine. So I'm going to, you know, do it. Um, there were many misses, you know, I, I didn't hear back from the majority of the publications I, you know, pitched to. That um, makes me feel better. Yeah. Yeah. No, <laughs> I still don't sometimes. And, okay. um, so when I did hear back, it was, and what I also found, um, uh, maybe this is a little tip that 
nobody really notices, but I do. I work at like 11 to 2 in the morning quite often. I'm, I'm very creative at night. And I also have small children. So I'm up really late. I also found the editors are up really late. So if I get an email from an editor, it's usually at like 11 p.m. And I can actually have a conversation through email with them because I know they're there. And so it's been interesting that that's kind of the times of days that I've connected with editors was way, way, way late at night. Wow. Is, you know, that's something, interesting. I, that's something I bet not too many people have considered. That is an actual nice little sneaky peek ch- uh, tip you got there. It's, yeah. I mean, my bedtime's like 8 a.m., 8 p.m., 8 a.m., 8 p.m., but <laughs> that'd be worth staying up for. Yeah, I'm not a late no. owl. I used to be, but not now. Yeah, and I don't always love to be, but it just it just happens that way sometimes. But I found that as like a as, as kind of a weird little thing is that you know I connect huh. with them at night when it's when they're up late, and so um, the very first time they sent me an email saying you know we'd like to feature your work, I ran upstairs. I woke up my <laughs> husband. I was like, oh my god, and you know he was like, what, what, and he was so nervous and scared. And I'm like, I got an email back from an editor. He's like, what. He's like, okay, I thought someone was robbing the house. (laughs) (laughs) Not this editor. Okay, great. You know, I'm sure after you told him the good news, then he was okay with it. He wasn't too upset. (laughs) Yeah, no, he was fine. It was just funny because it was so late. It it didn't make sense. And um, so, anyways, you know, we we chatted back and forth a little bit. But that publication was called Romantic Homes. And so it, that's kind of where it really helped me to see, you know, my aesthetic fits in there because they're mm-hmm. interested in me. I'm interested in them. I like their magazine. It just, you know, it helped us brand ourselves. And um, so actually my first publication was of my own home. And oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, but I built the relationship with that editor. And then the following month, somebody backed out at the last minute and she needed something. So she knew I would make her life easy and get it done. So I had a two-day turnaround to get an article done and things submitted to her. I did it. And the following month, something happened. She needed something. So I was published three months in a row in print because of this relationship that I built with this editor, you know, right out the gate. Oh, that's amazing. And you know, the Vanessa Helmick, who we had on not too long ago, said the yeah. same thing about establishing relationships. And I want to say Jane Dagmy said the same thing about establishing relationships. And uh, Amy Flurry was a guest on the podcast um, way back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've only been going a year. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah, we didn't talk about getting published. We talked about something, um, you know, a, an adjacent kind of vertical. But yeah, so are you still sending out your own emails to editors to get published now? Or do you have someone else doing that for you? Or now are they are you just at a point to where they're emailing you saying, Hey, Sarah, make my life easy? (laughs) Um, No, I mean, I still do it. And I find it so interesting that there's PR firms that do this stuff, because it really it doesn't take me that long. Anytime I have a project that I'm excited about, and I'm in the early design plan phases, I send it out to a couple of editors and I'll say, Hey, we're, this is the vision board. This is the, you know, the mood board or whatever you want to call it. This is what we just presented to the client. I'm really excited about this project. Want to let you know we're working on it. And then sometimes they'll write back. Sometimes they won't. And then when we get to the end of the project, I'll also submit to those same people and I'll say, Hey, you know, we just finished it. Here was the concept. Here's the real thing. Here's a couple before and afters. Would you like to use this. And a lot of times they'll write me back. And it takes maybe one evening, uh, like two or three hours in an evening for me to send out these emails. 
But I, I mean, I know the PR firms have the relationships, you know, and they've got the contacts and I know their value. But for me, you know, I'm just a, a you know, startup and I do it myself. Now, did you get the editor information from one of Amy Fleury's publications? No. The con- um, okay. So How did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I Googled a few. I LinkedIn, I found is a really great place to find their information. But I okay. also... Um, got a little scrappy and <laughs> I <laughs> I guessed some of the editor's emails that are not <laughs> easy to get in contact with. So um, like, I'm just going to make up one. Let's say it's there's right. a magazine called um, Magazine Publication. I don't know. So <laughs> if I saw the, the magazine was called that then and I saw that maybe the intern's email was the first letter of their name dot their last name. Then I would copy that and guess because I'd find out who the editor of the magazine was. And then I'd put like d.powell at, you know, whatever. (laughs) And then I'd get an email back like, thanks for your interest. We'll get back to you shortly. And I'm like, oh, my God. I think Um, you're officially the smartest person we've ever had on this podcast right now. That's a pretty good idea. That I told you I get really creative at nighttime. So um, that is brilliant. But it worked. And I got in touch with people sometimes that, you know, not all the time. A lot of times they're probably like, who is this lady and how'd she get my email? But, <laughs> um, you know, it does work sometimes. And it's seriously, it's that simple. And and a lot of times the, the intern is the one like who's bragging about their position on LinkedIn. So you can <laughs> see their email quite easily and then kind of figure it out. <laughs> You're you're hired. I'm hiring you right now as my PR agent. <laughs> okay, so let's when you when you're sending out these emails because you said some in the beginning, especially before you got published in Romantic Homes, you'd send out thirty or some odd on yeah. average. Now, when how many do you send out, and how many of them bite? Would you say like if some because I could just hear you know designers listening saying, "Man, I sent out ten and I got rejected." We have a project that we did submit to a few magazines so far, and the editor's like, "No, it's not quite the quite the right fit." And it's a gorgeous project, but I guess yeah. you know you know they have to really stick to what it is that they put out yeah and I'm getting like discouraged but seriously we've only put them to like five or six so far oh my god no no and I still get denied all the time (laughs) and that's why I said that makes me yeah that makes me feel so much better published before I try to lead with that sometimes like on a bigger (laughs) one I'm like hey you know what I've been published nationally six times in the last they're like sorry we don't like it yeah like what you know yeah I'm like whatever so um in the beginning I was kind of like oh you know that's not good but it, it, there's other people who need the content. And, you know, I, I always think, and, um, we do, we do incredible work and people pay us to work for them and do design for them. And then I'll see in a publication, I'll see like a bunch of bloggers got Paris, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm thinking that they're not even trying to make money, you know, per se, like we are in in terms of growing a business, their, their business model is different in blogging, you know, maybe through advertisements or sponsorship or something, but like, Nine times out of 10, it's really just whoever the editor connects with and if wherever that, that fit is good, you know? Um, but for, for me, I, like, I will apply, I will email the editor who I have a column with. So I've been offered to have a column in Cottages and Bungalows magazine in the last couple of months. And I won't hear from her for like maybe two months. And sometimes I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, she hates me. She hated the last article I wrote. You know, she's wants to banish me forever. And then she'll come out of nowhere and she's like, this is great. Thanks so much. Sorry, I've been busy. And 
They truly are so busy. Girl, you and I need to talk because that's exactly where my mind goes to. I'm like, oh, that's it. I'm done. You know, I'm awful. I suck. They hate me. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's totally the opposite. I know Natalie's get Natalie gets on my case all the time for that. So Sarah, you mentioned that you'll show them mood boards and projects that are in progress to see if it's something they might want to bite more towards when it's done. So you don't have to norm, you don't have to wait until the project is finished. You can already start putting your bait in the water then. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. Because they, they have a calendar. So they have, you know, and Amy Fleury's talked about this before, like every publication in, in home interiors usually has like a kitchen month, a bath month, um, you know, different, different themes. And so I want to know, like, if I'm doing a huge kitchen renovation, my goal would be to get into the kitchen issue. So I might send it the month that that one came out. So it might be a whole calendar year before I really might get some interest from that editor. So I'm going to send it early and just see, you know, if that's something they'd be interested in. And it'd be something, you know, that I should, um, you know, cater to, so they might say, well, the kitchen issue, that's really far away. We're not interested, but we have this fall issue coming up and we'd really like uh, a fall themed kitchen. You know, I don't know, but the, <laughs> lots of leaves. I don't know. Yeah. yeah leaves and pumpkins <laughs> everywhere. Can you do that for this one? And, and, you know, you might say, I can add some leaves and pumpkins if that's what you need, you know, and, you know, you just kind of, you, and mm-hmm. a lot of them have an editorial calendar that you can look at and, and you can see. Right. And the, the deadlines for those are usually about two months ahead of where, you know, when they're due. So like for me, I have a, a Christmas article that I'm going to have to <laughs> have ready and out there to the world by like, I think it's the end of August. Oh. So I, if I wanted to do anything with new content, I'd have to stage or decorate something Christmas related before oh, August. Oh, gross. That's yeah. So, gross. so you don't think of stuff like that because you think, well, I decorated in November. Do you want my Christmas stuff? And they're like, are mm. you kidding? That's already in the books, you know? Ah, true. So um, you kind of got to, if you want to make their life easier, you got to know what they need so that you can help them, you know. So Darla, I suggest you go look at the editorial calendars. I don't want to decorate for Christmas in August though. Oh hell no. I don't even do it in Christmas. For Christmas. We don't decorate at Christmas. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I know. I'm just so lazy with my, my own house. I know. I know. I my just... kids are going to think I'm wacko if I get the Christmas tree out. Now. <laughs> hey wing nuts, do you love doing your own social media, but you just don't have a sound strategy in place? Are you just throwing images at the wall? hoping that they stick to your ideal client? Well then, Darla and I are super excited to tell you about our Wingna Social Strategy Package. One of our expert social media specialists will help you discover your goals, analyze your current performance, build your customized social marketing plan, and coach you on the implementation. It's a tremendous value, and you can find out more by going to wingnutsocial/services or by giving us a call at 1-877-WINGNUT. Again, that's wingnutsocial.com slash services or 1-877-WINGNUT. Now, back to the show and the crazy. So how has being published so frequently impacted your business? You know what? That's one thing I feel like nobody's talking about is it doesn't really. Um, really? Yeah, it really doesn't. I think that um, I think it does if you let it. So hmm. when I get published, I usually try to do some kind of local event where it, there's a follow up to that. Because for me, getting in the magazine, um, people are leafing through it. They're reading it. 
They take notes. Um, I do notice a little jump in my social media following, but I'm hmm. not seeing people like nobody has ever called me and said, I saw you in this magazine. I want to huh. hire you. I'm really surprised by that. So let's dig in a little bit to what you do locally. Like what kind of event will you have to celebrate your being published in a magazine? Do you do like Barbara Viteri and full on, uh, you know, rent out a <laughs> venue and say, I was on the cover or um, tell me what you do. The first time, so we did a Meet the Designer event at this local, um, it's a place called Black Lion here in Charlotte, but it's like a consignment shop. It's a really cool place where you can go um, and just shop lots of little booths. So it's kind of like, um, yeah, it's like a consignment shop with lots of little booths. And so I did a Meet the Designer event there to talk about what I did and that I'd been published and how I use Black Lion as a resource when I'm you know, working locally. Mm -hmm. So, and they were excited about that because one of the items that I, that was in the publication came from their, one of the booths in that store. So it was just a way to connect with, with them and, um, and get people to, you know, come and meet me and get excited about the fact that I've been published. And so it was interesting at that event, people, you know, there was a line and people wanted to talk to me. They wanted to get my information. And I did get some um, clients out of that. But when it came to just the magazine alone, um, hmm. it's for me, it hasn't done that. And I feel like it's that for me, it was more of a validation. And so, you know, you say you're, you're similar and the world hates us, you know, <laughs> we have that yeah. inner voice that just says we have to actively work to quiet down. Exactly. Um, so for, for me, it was the validation for me to see my work in print. Um, it definitely helps me with credibility. You know, I think when people come to my website and they have that, I have that press page and they're looking at that. Um, I think that helps mm -hmm. and it helps to my story, but it, it didn't really do anything with the dollar bills. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that because that is on your press page. You you don't think maybe it's some, you know, you've gotten clients from, you know, the total picture, people that have gone and Googled you and gone on your website, seen your gorgeous work. And then maybe that was some icing on the cake. And not only that, look at, holy heck, she's been published, you know, a bajillion times, which we, you know, we mentioned. And, you know, this is the designer for me. You don't think that it, it maybe has helped in there. Maybe you just don't have the um, the metrics on that, you know, like if you yeah. ask. Yeah, I, I would think I, can, I find it hard to believe that it hasn't helped at all. At least, I mean, at the very least, you're already saying, yeah, it's helped me, you know, with my, you know, credibility and confidence and being published. I mean, look at, you know, I'm a published designer. This is, you know, this is what you're going to get and with that confidence. But it has to have stepped up your credibility with people getting ready to hire you. I, I would, I would think. I think so. And, and it's, it definitely is something we talk about at a consult, you know, like we get published regularly. If, if we have the opportunity, we'll get your home in a magazine. If that's exciting for you, you know, we, we talk about it, but it's just, it's, it's a lot of work. And I think, you know, some people get down on themselves because they say, Oh, I've never been published or I'll, that'll never happen to me. I, I think it totally can. If you feel like putting the effort in and you are consistent with applying and, and like you said, five to 10, that's not enough. You're you're not going to hit enough, um, you know, editors in order to find out where you're going to fit in. But once you create that one relationship with that one editor, it's going to open more doors than you think. So my advice would be, you know, make sure it's really worth it 
for you to get published, like really know why you want to get published. And then make sure you have a a follow-up plan to what happens after you get published so that, you know, you can meet the people who are reading your magazine. You can talk about it. And then, um, because it is a lot of work, you know, they, they ask you to write the article. They ask you to have the professional photography. They ask you to, you know, help promote it. So it's, it's, it's not like, you know, just a, a, piece of the website. You know? Yeah, it's definitely it's, an investment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And on your website, you talk a lot about creating rooms that are magazine worthy. Was that intentional in the beginning? Or did we change that to now so that you're getting could, published? Yeah, yeah, now that you're beginning published, did you tweak that a bit? Yeah, I think I tweaked it a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> just checking, just checking. Yeah. And and you know what's funny is somebody did email me one time and they said, you had me at magazine worthy and family friendly because I didn't think the two could exist together. And that was when I knew I was I was doing a good job because that those words really strike people and that's what they wanted. And, you know, I, we can get them there because of performance fabrics and because of, mm-hmm. you know, the way that we know how to do that. So it was that was a cool moment. That's a terrific catchphrase, a terrific tagline, right? Magazine worthy and family friendly. Yeah. Tr- <laughs> trademark that immediately. <laughs> that's terrific. Is that, that has to be all over your website. That's, that's just so, I'm sold. I would totally yeah. hire you. Yeah, magazine worthy and family friendly. That's like you, I'm telling and you, the, And it. another thing that we always tell our clients is that we don't actually stage our, our photo shoots. We leave them exactly as they are as we give them to the client. So I love, I'm really excited and prideful about that because that's just what it looks like when we're done. And we say our styling is our superpower. And that's really, you know, where I, I love to do. That's the part of the process I really, really love to do. And um, so when when we get those shots of those details and all that stuff in the room, that is what it is. It's not like we took all the crap they had out, put our stuff in, <laughs> took it out, put theirs back. You know, that's that's not it. I can confidently say when you work with us, that's what you get. If I wasn't standing already, I would give you a standing ovation for that because that is <laughs> truly commendable and very difficult because I will t- be the first one to tell you right now, we do stage ours. We stage them and then what happens is our clients see it staged and then they end up buying what we staged it with, you mm-hmm. know, nine times out of 10. Absolutely. But that's amazing that you actually, your project includes all that fine detail enough to where you would say, this is magazine worthy for a photo shoot, submit it and get published. I have to give you <laughs> that that's as a, you know, as a fellow decorator, you know, designer, whatever you want to call it, you know, for the, the wording there. Yeah, decorate. I have to say my hat's off to you if I were wearing one. That's that's Thank tremendous. You. Thank you. And, and I and I just have to say back to one of your episodes you did a couple of weeks ago, Darla. You are an interior designer, and don't let anyone tell you differently. That drives <laughs> me freaking crazy. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, I already love you. You don't have to say things like that. But thank but you. But wait, I have better. I want to. I got a question. Mine's very important. As you know, how when you have that meeting with your client, I know we're getting a little off track here. But when when you're having a meeting with your client and you say, okay, it's going to be. X amount of dollars in accessories, how do they not buck you? Yeah. Um, well, so w- I don't know if you've seen any of our design packages, but our packages are very comprehensive. They are uh, very, very detailed. And so we have three three levels of packages, really. There's two different DIY packages where 
they will buy the design plan from us and then they will intend to style on their own. But if you want us to style for you, then that has to be full service. And that has to include all the elements of our design process. And usually um, that's what people are hiring us for is the styling. So that always has to lead to full service. So when we give them a budget estimate in the early part of the process, that includes all of the styling and accessory elements needed. So that includes the lighting plan, the textile plan, the decorative plan, everything. And um, a lot of times we've prefaced it before we got to that point where they understand. But in the early stages, I will just, you know, flat out say that each, when we do a bookcase, you know, you can budget between two and $400 per shelf. And if they're on the floor for that, then (laughs) we can't style for you, you know? Um, and, and that just happens out of like, I underestimated myself many times and I styled their shelves for no money. You know what I mean? And so we just historically were looking back and we knew, we know now, you know, this is what it takes to get to this level. And if that's what, if you want us to style for you, you have to kind of play by our rules and that's how we do it. I love it. And those packages, you use my Doma for that, right? Yes. Yes. Yeah. We we do too. We love it. And we just sort of gave it a whole revamp and gosh, it's, it's so awesome. It's really working for us. That's your homework, Natalie, to go in there and spy on her packages in my Doma. All I got to do is just call her. She'll tell me. (laughs) Sarah, thank you so much for your wonderfully scrappy advice here for it to get published in magazines. I'm going to have to follow your advice and go send out like 26 more proposals (laughs) for my last project. Ellen Danik, take a drink. Ellen Ellen Danik, we have a drinking game whenever I I take action on advice. Take a shot. There you go. Take a shot. It's a little early yet, but yes, I wish. Okay, now I have to ask you if you're ready for the What Up Wingnut round. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> now it's time for What Up Wingnut. Wingnut. Sarah Lynn Brennan, if you were a tree, what kind of tree would you be and why? All right. So I would be a weeping willow tree. And Aww. so I was trying to think of a tree that didn't sit still the most. And that that would be me. So I, I move around all the time. I can't sit still at all. So they sway in the breeze the most I could think of of any tree. They're fast growing. They're slightly feminine, which is kind of my romantic side of things. <laughs> but they're resilient and strong and a little bit scrappy, which is kind of like me. (laughs) Yeah, scrappy. Excellent. Good answer. What would the hashtag on your tombstone be? Oh my gosh. So this came, I was debating a few, but my husband um, basically confessed that he would be so scared if I didn't pre-plan my own funeral and arrangements because he knows (laughs) that it would need to be a certain way. So my hashtag would say, hashtag this better be pretty. <laughs> the pressure's on, hubby. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to take care of that myself pretty soon, I, just to be it, sure. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. If you could have only one superhero power, what would it be and why? Uh, no sleep. I just, I don't sleep much anyways, but I just need to take that out of the day because I, I, I could get so much more done. <laughs> that goes really well with your restless willow there. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Always on the move. No time Last but not yeah, last but not least, what book has had the biggest impact on you either personally or professionally? Um, so I've always loved 
entrepreneur type books ever since I discovered them. And there's one, I love the e-myth, but everybody says that. So there's another one that I feel like is really great that doesn't get talked about nearly as much. And that's called The Lean Startup by Eric Rice, R-I-E-S, Eric Rice. And um, he just talks about how so many startups and small businesses fail. And that's because they get too grand and they try to make things too perfect before they grow. So he's all about, you know, starting really raw and uh, not too fancy, engaging interest of the audience. And then once you're confirmed that your audience likes it, then you build from there. But it doesn't have to be perfect out the gate and invest all that time and money um, before you show it to people. And so there's a lot of just the the concepts of that book that I like about life in general and in business. I love it. What a great recommendation. No one has recommended that one yet. So that was The Lean Startup by Eric Rice. And of course, yeah. it's already in my audible, audible, <laughs> my audible queue, another blooper there. Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today on the Wingnut Social Podcast. Please tell the Wingnuts listening where they can find you. Uh, so my website is sarahlynnbrennan.com. And my Instagram handle is Sarah Lynn Brennan. All right. Thank you so much. And thank you for putting up with our power outages and everything, which will probably be in the bloopers. I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Have an amazing week. And thank you again. Thank you for having me, guys. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Natalie Ann Giraffe. Yes. Some seriously actionable tips we just got there from Sarah Lindbergh on and off the air. (laughs) She is scrappy. (laughs) She's very scrappy. Guessing those email addresses, that's priceless. Yeah. That, how? She's like a little detective. shes I'm not the detective. She is. I know. I thought you were like a detective or something. Maybe you should yeah, sharpen your skills. You know, I wasn't really feeling it, you know. Yeah, you know. So I'm going to send out like like 20 more emails at least for this last project that we did that was shot so beautifully That's by right. our designer's brother, Ethan Murrah. And um, she also gave us some good little advice there off the air, which we're going to follow up on. Absolutely. <laughs> Which I, I won't share with you guys nope, yet. Nope, not but yet. But we might have her back on the show to talk about Absolutely, that. Absolutely, because it would be a definitely uh, a very um, informative show, I believe. Yeah, and I don't feel so bad that if people told her no, and she's been published a bajillion times, that, you know, the people that have told me no, I don't, I don't feel so bad. Good. Yeah. All right. Now that that's all cleared up, we can move along. I think we can move along. Are you, are you going on? The, oh, let's go in the pool. I would like to go in the pool. No, I actually, my mom is supposed to be here in like five minutes with homemade peach cobbler. Oh, nice. And I would also like to point out that Mango has been good all throughout the show. Not a peep. Nope. He's a good boy. He is a very good boy. All right, guys. So that's it. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever you're listening to the show on. Please be sure to follow us at Wingnut Social on all the social media channels. And I think that's going to do her. Yeah. So long. See ya. You've reached the end of this episode of Wingnut Social, but that's only your first step. Be sure to head to wingnutsocial.com to reach out to us directly and schedule your free consultation with one of our Wingnut Social Media Specialists to take your business from social mediocre to social media master. We'll see you on the next episode of Wingnut Social, your social media tightly fastened. Ready? Always ready, proud to serve. Oh, Lord. (laughs) Hey there, wingnut. The first and only full service. (laughs) Service. No, last year there, Tweety, you got some service. The first and only full service intended to land firm in Waxhaw.
Well, you cook. There's a there's a blooper. <laughs> hey, Sarah, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> we gonna do your space real pretty, all right? <laughs> Good boy, Mango.